Hi everyone and welcome to the ADA podcast series which is presenting a series of topics identified by you, the members of the Australian Diabetes Educators Association. The ADA podcast series highlights latest updates and research in the areas that are relevant to best practice in diabetes management, diabetes care and diabetes education. My name is Jan Orphan, a long-time member of ADEA, and I will be your host. Today, we'll be discussing diabetes education program and service needs for young adults with type 1 diabetes with Ashley Ng, who is undertaking some research in the area as part of her PhD. Hi, Ashley, and thank you for your time today, too. Hi, Jen. Thanks so much for having me on this uh, podcast. It's really exciting to get the opportunity to share my research. Thank you. No problem. Uh, I'd like to start the session by asking you the first question, if I might. Could you recap for us, Ashley, the demographics of the type 1 population currently engaged in health services, please? So currently in the research at the moment, there actually isn't a lot of information out there. So from my uh, research, I could find a couple of studies that have been conducted by the Australian Centre for Behavioural Research in Diabetes or the ACBRD, who have done some key work in this area, particularly around um, in 2011, the Youth Transition Survey report. So that found that only 42% of young adults between the age of 18 and 24 had reported attending a diabetes clinic. Now this is a huge drop compared to say, um, the younger age group from 14 to 17 years old, who where 71% of them attended a diabetes clinic. So there's a huge drop um, throughout that age gap, which we need to address. And more recently, they completed the Diabetes Miles 2 study, which is um, the diabetes management and impact for long-term empowerment and success. So this was the second uh, series in that study, if you may. And from there, they had about a thousand people with type 1 diabetes aged 18 years and over respond um, to the survey and found that only 40% of, yeah, of people with type 1 diabetes had access to group education at some point. But I think more worryingly is that in the last 12 months, only 54% of those adults with type 1 diabetes reported going to um, an allied health member. So, you know, um, 54% said that they visited a diabetes educator, 41% said they accessed the podiatrist, 29% said they accessed a dietitian and only 13% accessed a mental health professional. So I think that's that's quite worrying um, in terms of people with diabetes sort of accessing those services. That's interesting uh, data that uh, I'm sure we uh, will need to think about along the way. Ashley, what are some of the turning points that young adults experience that impact on their diabetes management? Yeah, so I guess from my study, uh, from my findings, that young adults with type 1 go through, you know, something like a health scare or, you know, such as having a severe episode of DKA where they're being admitted into hospital or just being into admitted into hospital for some sort of health reason, um, not necessarily linked to diabetes, but it sort of scares people into really looking after themselves and getting back on track with their diabetes management. But also I think that whole 
um, participants always talked about feeling frustrated at being ill all the time or feeling under the weather or having lots of hypos and they get to that point where they're sort of sick of it or over it and that's when they say okay I need to do something about uh, my diabetes and get that back on track. Um, another thing that they a lot of participants talked about was the fear of developing diabetes related complications. I guess as they sort of get older they develop this maturity or a way of thinking that you know their health is an asset and so they need to really start looking after themselves in order to live a longer life um, to live the best life that they can and along the way different things pop up that motivates them and gives them that reason to look after themselves even more so you know now we're starting to look into different life changes such as starting a family um, transitioning between high school and university. Um, these are some of the main turning points that I've identified from my study uh, that prompted young adults to sort of say, I need to do something about my diabetes management. And these are also supported um, from an earlier study done by Professor Bodo Rasmussen, who talked about life transition faced by young adults that included, you know, life developmental transitions such as going through the period of adolescence, progressing through the education system, entering a new relationship, motherhood, entering the workforce and relocating, moving houses and traveling. But also more interestingly there's also diabetes related um, transitions they face as well. So in Professor Brodel's uh, study she talked about um, the period of diagnosis as being a huge turning point for young adults as they sort of learn to adjust to life with diabetes but also living with you know complications or starting an insulin pump and interestingly also um, going on to diabetes camp because that's when they meet and connect with other people with diabetes so that's also another point that um, was really focused and highlighted in my findings as well is that people with diabetes valued that peer support encouragement and connecting with other people because they find that living with type 1 can be quite isolating at times. Thanks Ashley. I'm wondering if you could comment for us on what sort of strategies are being trialled to improve communication in this group of patients. Sure. So I guess healthcare professionals realise that you know capturing the young adult audience is difficult. It's really difficult to get them to come to clinic and these are things that they've tried to address by having you know after hours clinics, so having young adults clinics which are you know between five to seven, it's outside of business hours and that's been working well to some extent. Um, Diabetes Australia and various state and territory organisations have also put out specific um, events that are relevant to young adults as well to capture their interest and help them get back on track. But often we find that um, from my study in particular, young adults saying, you know, there are so many barriers to attending these things, you know, things like they can't find time is the biggest one, is they can't find time to go to these events, to take time out to go to a clinic, to um, attend a, a camp and things like that because you know they've got work they've got studies they're balancing so many different commitments that diabetes and going to these different events and clinics are probably one of the last things on their mind so other barriers are also um, apart from logistical stuff interestingly was also the emotional barriers that they face so in my study we found that participants reported 
feeling judged by healthcare professionals or um, feeling disempowered when they go to a clinic because all the healthcare professionals are focusing on are their numbers and not really recognising the emotional impact that living with diabetes actually has on them and that perhaps maybe addressing those or other issues that are popping up in their life may also help their diabetes down the track. Thanks for that. I was just wondering, I mean, this is obviously quite a complex group of people that we're, we're addressing. Um, can you tell our members where they might find any online resources that might be able to either help them or, or their clients? Absolutely, Jen. So I think with online sources, we're predominantly looking at social media and it's something that people uh, can be quite terrified about because it's almost the black hole of information there's so much to be overwhelmed by so the key starting points would be to look at you know diabetes australia adea your health um your healthcare professionals um, body your website to see what events they have going that might be relevant to young adults with diabetes and sharing this information to them young adults feel that these sorts of information should be coming from healthcare professionals. So what events are happening, you know, within Diabetes Victoria, within um, Diabetes WA and things like that. They value hearing, knowing what's happening so that they have a choice to attend these things. But then there's also a lot of um, peer support that's available online. So on Facebook alone, there's so many different online groups and it's important to highlight that not every group is suitable for every person so it does take time to sort of go through and find which peer support group you feel most comfortable in that you would be prepared to share um, your stories your experiences and um, vent about living with diabetes and things like that but also another um, really helpful support group or i guess a tool or a resource even is um, twitter so actually on every tuesday night at 8.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time at the moment, um, there is a tweet chat that happens. So it's called OzDoc. So it's hashtag OZDOC. So if you follow that, you can see every week there's different topics. It's moderated. Um, there's discussion topics around diabetes. And it doesn't necessarily, you know, relate to it doesn't necessarily apply to only people with diabetes. We've got healthcare professionals joining, we've got people without diabetes joining who just want to learn more about it, we've got carers, we've got people living with different kinds of diabetes joining in. So sort of joining in and just watching the chat go by, you get to get a sense of what's happening as well. And just sort of asking your clients when they come in, you know, what's what's out there in social media? What are you looking at these days? And um, what's sort of the go because they're living with diabetes they're the experts in these things so if they're the ones to sort of dabble in these they would know and they'd probably be your best resource to go to as well. You've raised some really great points there and hopefully if members have questions or, or comments they might be able to get in touch and, and get those resource details from you or put them up on our site. You mentioned in the beginning about um, patients in this group falling through the, the gaps, as it were. Can you suggest some strategies that you've found are working to consider in terms of these patients? Sure, Jen. I think the biggest thing is when you do have young adults with diabetes coming into your clinic, be grateful that they're there, but also to keep them there, it's so much about developing the rapport with them. It's much more for them 
about just the numbers. So asking them where they're at in their lives, you know, what's happening with them. So that's, I guess, the first point of contact is to maintain that clientele that you have if you already have young adults coming in. But then in order to reach out, it's sort of, you sort of have to put yourself out there. I think social media is kind of one of the avenues you could go to to promote your services, um, to say, hey, we're here. And um, it also shows that you're quite involved with what's happening in the world of technology and that you're involved in social media and you're there. So as long as they know you're there, it gives them that option to go to you as well. But also if you have, if you know you have young adults that are coming to clinic and they don't turn up for whatever reason, don't just label them as non-compliant. Make sure you follow up with them. You know, it takes five minutes to drop them a phone call, leave them a message, say, hey, you've booked into an appointment today, but I see that you've missed your appointment. Is everything okay? Um, let me know if you need to reschedule and we can work things out. I think young adults really value that acknowledgement that they are wanted in that clinic and that your healthcare professional is willing to sort of be flexible to get them in as well. So keeping yourselves open, um, making sure you're approachable to them and remembering that it's also about the emotional side of living with diabetes as much as it is about the HbA1c and the time spent in range as well. Well, thank you for that, Ashley. Um, you've, that's the last of the questions I actually have for you. But perhaps you'd like to summarise for us what key messages you would like members to take home from this session today. Thanks, Jen. So in summary, I think it's important to try and relate back to when you were a young adult and think of all the different different things that were impacting your lives back then. Um, young adulthood is a very complex time. It's very challenging and there's so many things that come into play. So recognizing that and giving them a bit of space and flexibility is definitely warranted. And if you have them in your clinic, please just try and get, get hold of them and make sure that they are supported um, and that they feel supported along the way. Um, if they stop coming to clinics, make sure you follow up with them. And it's important that you acknowledge how important you are in their lives. You are their healthcare professionals. You are their gateway to a lot of diabetes-related information, whether it be new information, be reminders, new events that are coming up. You are key to helping empower them in taking charge of their health. So the power lies with you to make sure that young adults are looking after themselves. If we get those habits developed early, they last for life and, you know, we can see a lifelong improvement in diabetes self-management if they know that there is support and help that's appropriate and relevant to them along the way. Once again, Ashley, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. Uh, unlike some of us who are retired, I know it it's, um, means that you can't get other things done necessarily, but we really do appreciate your expertise that you've shared with us today and your experience and good luck with the PhD. Thank you, Jan, so much again. And thank you, um, ADA, for having me on this podcast as well. It's been such a fantastic opportunity and I look forward to sharing more of my research with you um, down the track. And we look forward to hearing more about it. Thank you. And finally, I'd like to thank you, the members, for taking time out to listen to this podcast. 
and we look forward to both your feedback and any uh, comments you might have on perhaps on future topics that we can do for this uh, for this series. So thank you all once again and goodbye.